Well, awesome. Some of you were having like a flashback hearing that song, weren't you? (laughs) I'm up here doing air guitar, and I'm like, oh my goodness, outer body experience or something. Hey, welcome to Rockbridge. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team. want to welcome you wherever you've gathered uh, in one of six locations in northwest Georgia, the Tennessee Valley. Of course, we're saying hello to the church we're about to partner with, and, and that's going to become our sixth campus up in Cleveland, Tennessee. And then, of course, we say hello to Calhoun and Dalton, Chatsworth, Ringgold, and Hickson. So one church, multiple locations, multiple languages. We have Spanish translation available. So again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, before we jump into our series, want to talk about, to me, what What's one of our most important or the most important service of the month, which is first Wednesday, coming up next Wednesday at all of our locations except for our, uh, our, our partners coming up in Cleveland, so our five locations. That's prayer and worship and communion. Just encourage you to be there. We're seeing God do so many amazing things in our midst, and I believe it's because we're praying. We're also going to go into a brief business meeting that our elders have called to kind of present the final budget for the Bold Initiative, which is really a big strategic plan that we started back in 2015. It involves building three buildings. Uh, It it involves us launching the Hickson campus, doing some renovations in Dalton, and just saying, hey, God, use us to reach as many people, maybe 10,000 people, if you will it, uh, as many people as we possible with this thing, this, this message, this life that we call life in Christ. So definitely encourage you to be there. And, and, and then, hey, listen, this is amazing. This past uh, weekend was Easter, and we gave so many, we gave people space and time to respond to how God might be stirring. And we had at least 531 people just indicate that they might be beginning a relationship with Jesus or coming back to a relationship with Him. So we praise God for that right there. That's amazing. And I, 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 that's all six of our locations. And uh, that's amazing. So we're having a lot of conversations this week uh, just to say, hey, what's God doing in in your life? Join with me. We'll pray together, and then we'll get going. God, thank you for everybody here. Nobody's here by accident. So God, help us to receive why why you have positioned us here in these seats, in these six locations. God, we want to receive what you have for us. So just help us to be teachable, humble, and receptive to you. God, thank you for all the people that responded, that you stirred in their soul, in their spirit, something last week during Easter. God, help them to take the next steps they need to take. God, thank you for your favor on our church through the Bold Initiative, through just everything, God, that you're doing. And Lord, I just pray you, you, you let us go out of here different than when we came in. Uh, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. So we're, we start this series called More Than a Feeling. So we're trying to define love, right? And here's something everybody would agree with. We need to get love right, okay? We need to get love right. And, 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 and you know, some of you, you're in situations and relationships, and, and you know love's not right, or, or, or you've been loved wrongly, maybe if that's the case, maybe by your dad, maybe by your, your, a parent or, so, or a, a sibling, maybe in your, in your marriage, maybe you're not sure how, how to do love. But we need to get love right, because all of us have this love ache and this love need uh, that, w- that we're trying to feel, that we're trying to figure out. And, and even if you kind of go into end up in to the world as it is today, a lot of people are saying love is the solution to the world that we find ourselves in. And I'll, I'll even show you 
an image from a political rally. I am not making a political statement, so don't read too much into this image. But here we got love trumps hate. We got not my president. And, and, and so we got talking about love, yet we look pretty mad here. I'll, I'll go ahead and be honest with you. There was something in this image that I had to have our, our uh, production and tech team kind of edit out because it was terrible. And it was very unloving. And it is funny, though, that, hey, love is the answer of the folks in this crowd. Uh, and yet there's some very unloving images and attitudes that came out of this, if you kind of knew the history uh, behind this particular protest rally. But, but, this, but the solution is, hey, we got to get love right. And if we got love right, everything would be okay. But this image illustrates a problem that we have and that we share. Most of us assume that when it comes to love, we're right. Most of us, when we go around and say, hey, it's all about love, baby, or it's love, you have an idea in your mind of what it should look like or what it should feel like. And some of you, love is just a feeling, right? And you're like, I don't feel it anymore, or I'm waiting for the feeling. And so the way I would like to illustrate this is with a love seat, okay? So I'm going to go sit on my love seat uh, for just a minute. Right now, the love seat's like this intimate, this is nice, the love, seat, <laughs> the love seat is like this intimate spot, right? Actually, it started, you know, it started when women had these big dresses and they, they needed a big seat. And so then when clothes sizes started shrinking, then it became a seat of intimacy. And you know, who you sit on a love seat with, it, 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 we've, we've got some limits, don't we, right? I mean, you don't just sit with anybody on, on the love seat. And, and so a lot of us, when we say, we, when we assume we're right about love, then, then we're assuming love ought to look as we would envision it kind of on the love seat in our mind. I mean, there's a kind of person that has to, that has to qualify to sit right here. There's something that they've got to do or something that you're looking for, and it, maybe it's the way you were loved. You know, a lot of us, we love the way we were loved. And we weren't necessarily loved right by our dads, by our moms, uh, by our husbands, whatever. So, so, but, but yet, well, that's what we do. A lot of us have this idea in our minds, hey, if it were love, it ought to feel like this. Some of us have this real selfish view of love, and we're like hogging their love seat. And we're like, well, if you can come, you know, take care of me here, baby. And, and it sort of looks like that, right? So all of us have this idea, and, and when I say we're, we all of us assume we get love right. Here's what it looks like. We're, it's like we set the bar. Let me try not to pull a muscle. I will pull a muscle. So we set the bar. We jump over the bar. Imagine I just jumped over that, okay? <clears throat> Maybe when I was 18, right? We clear the bar. We sit down, and we're like, hey, we need to get love right, but love right is how I define love right. I've cleared the bar. And you got to sit with me to get my love, me to get your... That's what, you got to come do it on my terms because I got the deaf. I, I got love right. And when you came in here, I, we gave every one of you a label. So we're sitting here. We've got love right. You got to figure it out. And then everybody we encounter, we label them. And if you match my label, come on in, right? If you match my label, if you clear my bar, join me on my love seat. If you've got a label that I don't like... If you've got a label that doesn't make me feel good, some of you, let's be honest, if you've got a skin color that's different than mine, you're not welcome on the love seat, right? I mean, it's religious people. We're like political people. 
We're Pharisees. And, and we look at people who, I can't believe they would do that. Label them. Stay out, baby. You know? And, and, and so it goes like that. And, and honestly, some of us, this is what our marriages are like. You're married, but there's no intimacy because you've labeled each other after 10 years. Some of us, you know, our kids, feel like our kids don't feel our love because we've labeled them or we're expecting. Our definition is just all messed up. So you've, you, you got this label here. And I just want you to think, who do you find easy to love? Who do you find difficult to love? Who are you unwilling to love? And how have you set the bar to your love seat? And that's the challenge that we have. Now, what's interesting when we, when we do all these assumptions and we know we need to get love right is how many people will invoke God when it comes to love? And we'll say things like, you know, God is love, but what we really mean is love is God. We'll say things like, not my God. My God didn't teach that. My God. And then, and, and, or we'll say, you know what? I, God, people in God mess love up. So maybe there should, there's no God. Unless all of us just choose love, not hate. It's all of us do love. But, but really, I know the right definition of love. And we've all got different definitions of love, right? That's the challenging part. So, so what I want to do before, in, in part one of this series is let's check with God. And does God's love look like kind of what we've imagined it and how we've practiced it? Does God's love look like how you've experienced it? Because some of you, you know, here's the deal. Because you've experienced bad love or wrong love or what I might call biased love, labeled love, then you look at God and like, not interested because God shouldn't have or God wouldn't or that's not my and, and, and so let's just check with God okay and so what I need you to do and this is so 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 hard is almost to say would you forget everything you've ever known about love forget every scar you carry forget every wound in your heart forget the, the, the fact that maybe love ought to feel a certain way look a certain way for you know reimagine your love seat let's take the bar away and, and, and let's drop our labels and let's go to God and say, God, what should love look like? What is love? So I'm going to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. And here's what I did, and kind of knowing where we were going in this series. I said, I was like, where is the first time in Jesus' ministry, and really uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke sort of go chronological in the life of Jesus. So I wanted one of those three Gospels. John does it a little differently. One of, the, one of those three Gospels found, landed on Luke. Where's the first time Jesus mentions love in a sermon or in a message, okay? First time love is mentioned is when the Father tells the world he loves the Son of God, loves Jesus at Jesus' baptism. So that's love between Father God and the Son of God. So that's not really us, our love. So I was like, when did Jesus talk about loving other people? And this is where we landed. So here we go. Let's work on getting love right, okay? Because we need to, but we got to probably drop some assumptions that we're right when it comes to love. So Luke 6, verse 27, first half of the verse, and maybe the most important thing is, but I say to you who listen. And Jesus knows there's going to be some people who will not listen. Your past is good. Listen, here's a challenge some of you face. Your past, your current marriage, what your dad has done to you, your mom has done to you, what, what's, you know, what, Hollywood images and Taylor Swift songs have done to you, you are listening to that voice. 
And you got to turn the volume down on your past, on Beyonce and Katy Perry. You got to turn the volume down on how love has worked out in your home. And you have to listen to God, Jesus. So I say to you who listen. So here's what I say first to get love right, you got to be a learner. And that means some of us, all of us to some extent, have to be an unlearner. Okay, don't assume you've got love right. Don't assume your love seat and your label and the bar you've set, don't assume that you've got love right. Let's go to, I'll call him the author of love because it's an attribute of God. And let's see what Jesus says. So remember, this is the first time Jesus talks about love between other people. First sermon he's preached that we have record of where he's talked about love between other people. And buddy, he does not mince words or hold back. He goes right after it. So he says, you got to listen. Listen to me more than your past. Listen to me more than your culture. Listen to me more than what's going on in your church background or your family background. And here's what he says. I say to you who listen, love your enemies. All right, drop the mic. Whoa, what did he just say? I mean, because look, 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 look. (laughs) Does your love label of who you're willing to love find it easy to love? Does it say your enemy? So Jesus says, all right, I'll play your label game. But I'm going to go with the person you find it most difficult to love. Now, listen. There's, I, let's put this in the context of, of, of families. There's some days when I'm an enemy to my wife and kids. And there's some days when it's reversed, right? Because none of us are perfect lovers all the time. We've already said we assume we're right and often maybe we're wrong. So, so Jesus says, look, all right, let's play the label game. Let's write enemy on our label. And I want you to love your enemy. And, and then some people are ready to walk out of church and say, I, I don't want to, I, I can't do that, Jesus. But let's keep going. Do good to those, do, do what is good to those who hate you. Do those who hate you, do they make it on your label? Bless those who curse you. Somebody's cursed you, meaning they've said something bad about you or want something bad about you. Jesus says, put those people on your label too. Pray for those who mistreat you. And he doesn't mean pray they disappear either. <laughs> now, now, if you're like me, I, I'm, I'm over here on my love seat, and I'm over here with the bar that I've set and that I've cleared, you know, and I'm like, all right. And, and suddenly I'm getting a little uncomfortable because that, 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 I'm safe here as long as I set the bar. Jesus just took my bar down. Jesus took my label away and changed who I would write on that, on that label. Of, and he says, you got to love your enemies. See, see what really what we're after is we, we want to be the God of love. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm the God of love. And the first time I'm going to teach you about love, I'm going to go big. First time I, Jesus teaches you about love, he just raised the bar. Just raised it. <clears throat> Because, I don't know about you, but none of these, the enemy and these three who's, they didn't make my label. So, a couple of things then. To get love right, we must realize a couple of things. According to Jesus, love is not primarily about met expectations or even shared benefits. Love is not primarily about met expectations where you set the bar, or what you put on 
your label, and you stuck it, you know, the, the people that wear this label I love, everybody else, outside off the love seat. So it's not about expectations we've set, and it's not about shared benefits, because he's talking about people who aren't giving us anything in return. He's talking about people who don't, they, they don't, there's no, they're, they're, they're cursors, they're mistreaters, they're enemies. And so he's going on this extreme stuff, and he's like, you got to love them. So you can't have, they're not giving you anything in return. It's not quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. If you will, I will. It's just love them. And this is agape, God-like love. So love your enemies, don't have expectations. You know, so many marriages, you know why so many marriages get in trouble? Let's go to the love seat for a second. So many marriages getting in, getting in trouble is because he or she had an expectation. Hey, we'll have sex this many times. That works out until the honeymoon's over and then get ready. Reality hits, okay? <laughs> Somebody said amen to that. <laughs> Woo! All right. My goodness. <laughs> I don't know where I am anymore, okay? Now, now we're just going to turn into like Dr. Phil, isn't it? All right, anyway. <laughs> Our expectations, right? So we've got expectations of what we do at Christmas. We've got expectations of who does the chores, how the kids get raised, and those expectations don't get met. I'm not feeling it anymore. We're more than a feeling now, right? So, so Jesus is saying, look, enemies don't meet your expectations. Enemies, there's no shared benefit. There's nothing in it for you to love your enemies. So, to get love right, number two, letter B, we must realize that love is not dependent on who they are or what they do. Love is not dependent on who they are or what they do. But when we label people, that's exactly what we're saying. I'll love you if you're this skin color. I'll love you if you treat me this way. I'll love you if you clear... This bar that I get to set to get onto my love seat. So, so he's just simply saying love is not dependent on who they are. If he's saying in the first sermon he preaches about people love is you got to love your enemies. He's taking who they are off the table. And a lot of us are like, huh? Now, now he's not talking. Now listen, listen. I want to be clear. He's not talking about some of you have been in or are in abusive relationships. He's not talking about enablement. And, and sitting there and taking that. That's not what he's talking about. And that'll become clearer as we navigate, okay? But, but let me just say that as a caveat, okay? But, he, but he's saying our ability to love and our willingness to love cannot be, should not be, must not be dependent on who they are and what they do. So, what, what, what do we do with that? What, what do we do? Because Jesus has, whoo, he has raised the bar for the love seat. He continues, verse 29. He says, okay, if anyone, here we go, take, her, take your label out. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, will you do the same for them? So he's, really, he's not really giving you a list of rules. He's trying to talk about a culture. 
and he's trying to talk about a love that is different, a love that is that is that is that the world doesn't think about. Because, and let me give you the context, because a lot of people will take this right here and they'll say, "Well, what about the Old Testament where it talks about eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and all this kind of stuff?" Listen, when the Old Testament was written, when those 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 things were said in Leviticus and and the Mosaic Law. What God was doing is, is he was speaking to a culture that was big on revenge and retaliation. And so the punishments were often excessive. The punishments were often extreme. The punishments didn't fit the crime. That's why we have uh, in one of our first ten amendments to the Constitution is no cruel and unusual punishment. Punishment shouldn't be extreme. Punishment should sort of match the crime. And so Jesus is speaking against a culture of extreme revenge and extreme retaliation. And he said, look, in your personal relationships, in your personal love seat understanding, is he's saying, look, people are going to hurt you. People are going to, because people are sinners. People assume they've got love right and they do love wrong and he's like we got to get past all that and we got to create a different standard we got to understand that love is something different and and the love that he's coaching that he's teaching that he's training looks differently And, and so maybe maybe the best way to say this is this Jesus is teaching that he's not prescribing a love checklist as much as he's describing a love culture. So you can't just go down these things, Jesus lists, and say, check, 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 because everybody knows checklist love doesn't work. Right? That's just like fulfilling a duty, fulfilling an obligation. So don't read this as a checklist. Read this as Jesus is trying to describe a culture of what it is like to love someone, even a difficult someone in your life. Here's really what he's doing. He's just eliminating our excuses. He's eliminating our excuses. Because if you're like me, let's go to the love seat. If you're like me, you sit down on your love seat. You set the bar, which is low. And the bar we set is lower than the one Jesus sets. You throw your labels on people. And then you sit back and assume you're loving and assume you've got love right. And if they would just, if he would just, if she would just, if they wouldn't, if they'd start, if I could feel it, then, I would lo- then I'd let you into my love seat. And, 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 then, and then it goes like this. Well, I couldn't love someone like them. Or, or it goes like this. Well, you don't know how they make me feel. Or you don't know what they did. Or you don't know this. Or you don't know that. And, and so we're in control of the love equation. And, and really what we've done is dumb down love. And, and really what we've done is, is limit, the, the, limit our ability to love. And limit the other people's ability to receive love. And, and then we all go around and repeat the cycle. And so is it any wonder that love is so messed up? And we all want to prescribe love as the solution. But no one ha- knows how to do love. So he's really just eliminating your excuses and my excuses. You're the, where you set the bar or your label. I love these kind of people. Really that's your excuse. That's your excuse. And, and so he, he's going to take it even more. And, and he's going to set the bar even higher. And he's going to change something even more. And listen to what he does now. He's just a great teacher. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? He's like, what, what reward are you going to get out of that? That that doesn't say much about you. If you love people when they're easy to love, if you love people the way you've defined love, 
You don't get any credit for that. He goes on. He says, even sinners. Now he begins to make a distinction between two groups of people. First group is sinners. We'll get the second group later on in the sermon. But he says, first group of people is sinners. So even sinners, even those who are in rebellion against God, love those who love them. You know? And he goes, if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Says it again. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. So so he's like, look, if you do love your way in God's world, in God's kingdom, it doesn't count. So we're sitting here assuming we got love right, loving people when they're easy to love, when they have our label for lovable on them, and we're assuming we're right and everyone else got to get it right, get right with us. And God's like, look, if that's your definition of love, is that's your practice of love, if that's who gets on your love seat, you get no credit in the kingdom of God. You're walking around looking yourself in the mirror, patting yourself on the back, saying, oh man, if they would just, if they just wouldn't, we'd all be hunky-dory. Jesus is like, that doesn't count in the kingdom that he's establishing. So what's he teaching us to do? He's really teaching us to quit. He's really teaching us to quit looking the wrong way. Now, what we do is we look at them and we look inside ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. When you decide who you can love or who you can't love, here's what you do. You look out at them and say, I could not love someone like them. Or you look inside because of, who, because of the label they're wearing that you've put on them. Or you look inside yourself and say, I just can't love like that. I just can't do that. And I'll tell you how this shows up in my world, Okay. Let's say I, you know, I'm doing some counseling or something, and, and we talk about what it's going to take to get the marriage back on track or whatever. And, and, and you know, maybe there, there, usually there's an offense involved, right? And it's created a wedge, created a gap. And, and you'll talk about what has to happen, or I'll talk about what has to happen. And sometimes some, one, of the, one, of the, one of the people in the, in the relationship, they'll say, this, I just can't love him, or I just can't love her. And here's what they're doing. They're looking inside themselves. I'm describing the bar that Jesus has set, and they're saying, I just can't do that. I don't have what it takes to clear the bar that Jesus has set. Or we look at other people, and we're like, Jesus, I can't love someone like that. I work beside them eight hours a day, and if you did too, Jesus, I don't think you could either. (laughs) And, and, And so Jesus is like, you can't look inside yourself, and you can't look at them. All right, then, Jesus, where do we look? You've seemingly, Jesus, in your first sermon on love, you've seemingly, Jesus, set the bar so high, who can clear it? Who can get love right? Jesus almost like, well, I'm glad you asked. Because here's what he does. Here's Here's where he takes us. He repeats himself to, for emphasis, but love your enemies. So let me tell you something. Let, let's, let's go with it. God in Jesus, God is not going to dumb down or lower the bar for love to make us feel better about ourselves or feel better about not loving the difficult people in our lives. 
God is not going to lower the bar, change the definition of love. He's not going to call love tolerance. He's not going to call love any of those things. He's not going to lower the bar. He's going to keep the bar high and say, love your enemies. Love the person that you would label as most difficult, most impossible, hardest to love. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward in his kingdom. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Or probably better translation, you will be shown to be children of the Most High. So we've got two classes of people now in Jesus' teaching. We have sinners... People apart from God. And we have sons and daughters, children of God. People who have been adopted by God. And he says, people who are related to me, people who are related to the Son of God, Father God, they can love the way I've set the bar. And he says this, for he is gracious. Let's talk about God's love. God is gracious to the ungrateful. God is gracious to the ungrateful. People who who want nothing to do with God. Still breathe God's air, still enjoy God's sunshine, and until they die, still have an opportunity to look at a cross where Jesus died in their place. Even though they want nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus, he's still gracious to the ungrateful. And he's gracious to the evil. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So he is talking to a group of people. He is talking to a group of children. He's saying, look, there's sinners who have not been loved by God or not received the love of God. They do not know God as Father. They know God as the man upstairs. They know God as Creator. They know God as distant. They know God as, oh, there is no God. But he said there's another group of people who are God's children who know God as a father, who is gracious to the ungrateful, who's gracious to the evil, who's merciful to people who don't deserve mercy. So you and I getting love right is dependent on who we are and whose we are. Getting love right is dependent on who you are. It's not dependent on who they are. It's dependent on who you are and whose you are. If you belong to yourself and you're selfish, you won't get love right. If you belong to your career, and that's the most important thing, your sport, your class, your career, you won't get love right. If you belong to your pride, you will not get love right. If you belong to alcohol, you will not get love right. If you belong to a sexual addiction, you will not get love right. If you belong to your comfort and how it should look on your comfortable little love seat, you won't get love right. But if you are a child of God and you belong to God, He is your Father, He is your King, He is your Lord, and He is your Savior, you now have His love flowing through you and you have the ability to love as God has loved you. So to get love right, we must love or love as God has loved us in the gospel. We must love as God has loved us when he died for us, when he forgave us, when he showed mercy to us, when he died in our place, when he died instead of us. So let's contrast. We've got labeled love. I will love this kind of person. I will not love this kind of person. And we've got gospel love. Gospel love is God's love. Gospel love is open and offered to anybody. Jesus in your place. Jesus for your sins. Jesus the life you should have lived that you couldn't live. Jesus paid the debt that you couldn't pay. 
gospel love. Jesus' love, hanging on the cross, naked, guys down there gambling for his clothes. He looks down at him, looks at his father, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Looks at his mama off to the side as she's weeping, watching his body decay, be blood and bleed, and watching her son take his last breath. And he looks at John and he says, hey, you take care of my mama. From the cross, he says those things. Hanging there, he says those things. Dying there in your place and my place, he says those things. That's gospel love. In, in, in gospel love, there's no label. In, in gospel love, there's people who are sons and daughters and people, God who wants, who, people who God wants to be his sons and daughters. So it looks like this. God made him Jesus, who had no sin, perfect, never did anything wrong, to be sin for us. For us, for us, that's a loving statement, loving prepositional phrase, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me tell you why we mess up love. We don't understand this thing. Every single person in here has this desire to be right. You want, you want to feel like you're right. You want to feel like you're okay. You want to feel, believe you're accepted. Let me tell you where that comes from. That comes from your heavenly father. Because when he made creation, he put a blessing on all creation. He said, after every created day, he said, and the Lord said it was good. And the Lord said it was good. After he created Adam and Eve and he was finished, he said, and the Lord said it was very good. Meaning everything's right. Everything's hunky-dory. Everything's hunky-dory. And then we sinned. And then we said, no, God, we'll try to be right apart from you. And we pushed God to the side. And then we started. And then Adam started looking at Eve and like, man, she can't complete me. She doesn't look, you know, I don't know. Who, who, who's going to sit on the love seat with me? Because we lost rightness in God. We started trying to go find rightness in other people. So now what happens on our love seat with our low bar, create a label for everybody love is this. I want someone on the love seat who can make me feel right about my Myself. Or I want to look out at you and say, man, you help me feel better about myself because I believe I'm better than you, which is what racism is, which is what arrogance is. I look out here with a religious spirit and I'm like, hey, at least I don't do what they do. I'm righter than them. At least I don't have that skin color. I feel better about myself. Because why? What do we do? We decided we could be right without being in God. So we try to be right in relationships with other people or get righteousness from our relationship with other people. We can't do it. We can't do it. So in the gospel, we get the righteousness of Christ put into us. And so now I don't need you to complete me. I don't need you to make me whole. I don't need you to satisfy my soul. I don't need you to fill voids and emptiness in my life. So all I can do is love you because that's all I got to give because I've been loved by God, my father, and I'm his son or I'm his daughter. Are you a son or daughter of Jesus? You can become one. Because that's what he wants. He wants to adopt you. He's paid all the adoption fees. He's handled the court costs. He's handled justice. He's satisfied the anger he had towards you when you said, No, I'll do it my way. I'll be good apart from you, God. Here's what you do. You believe in Jesus, crucified, buried, raised, resurrected, King of kings, Lord of lords. You believe those things. You accept his free gift of eternal life, of forgiveness. You accept him. It's free. costs you nothing. And then you switch and say, I'm going to stop living by, for myself, and I'm going to live by his spirit. Or I say it this way, give Jesus the steering wheel of your life. And when God loves you, you want to express love back to him. And you do that by baptism and obedience. Obedience is God's love language. 
You don't obey to make God love you. You obey because he has loved you and you just want to love him back. If you do those things in your heart by faith right now, he calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. You can call him your father. And now you can love as Jesus has loved you. For some of you, that means you break the cycle. Because your family history is just a genera- is just bad love passed on, bad love passed on, break the cycle. The only way you break the cycle is to get God to love you or receive God's love for you. So I want to ask you to make a couple of commitments and we'll close in prayer. Commitment number one, would you release people from giving you what only God can give? Release people from giving what only God can give. I want to tell you something. You can have the best family in the world. Your dad and mama's love is still not perfect love. Release people. Release your husband. Release your spouse. Maybe your mom hurt you. Your dad hurt you. Your uncle, your grandmother, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher said some things about you. And it's just stuck in your soul because you have a look and you have a look. Release people from giving what only God can give. There's two signs that you're doing this. First is forgiveness will be quicker and unselfishness will get easier. Because you're releasing them because you're receiving God's love so you can release this bad love expectation. Second thing, the second commitment, would you relabel people as loved by God? You will never ever lock eyes with another human being. That is not loved by God. They may not know about his love. We got to tell them and show them. They may be resistant to his love, but that does not mean they are not loved by God. If we would get that right, there would be no racism. There would be no religious spirits of arrogance. See, you know, because the goal of this love is to help everybody become a son or daughter and a learner or a disciple of God. And then here's what I want to ask you all to do. I want you to, ask, I want, I want you to reimagine your life. If you've been loved by God, I want you to reimagine your life as someone sent by God to love people as he has loved you. You have your spouse, your husband, your wife. You're sent to them. You have your kids. You have the people you work with. You have the people that you live with. You, ha- you have the, the neighbors you have. So, some of you, may God may give you a burden, and you need to cross an ocean, learn a language, and go be missionary because you have been so loved by God, and you're like, God, just send me somewhere. i got to love somebody with the love you've given me. And, and, and if you and I would reframe our church, our neighborhood, our jobs, our family, our dinner table, if we would just reframe it, that every label that we put on people is loved by God, loved by God, loved by God, that we would just get immersed in the love of God for us on the cross, and we would understand the goal of our life, whether you're a football coach, a business person, a pastor, a husband, uh, a stepchild, uh, it does not matter, whatever, whoever, wherever you are, God wants to love you with his love, and he wants to use your life to love other people with the love that he's given you. We're going to learn more and more about what love more than a feeling looks like. But it starts with this. God, send us, use us to love people the way that you've loved us. May I pray for us. God, I thank you for loving us. I just want to pray for people who might be here today 
and they have never, ever received your love, received life in Christ. Holy Spirit, if you're, you just knock on their door and say, please open, let me come in and love you. God, I pray they'd receive your free gift. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that there would be people right now who are saying yes to you. I want to become your son. I want to become your daughter. I realize you paid all the fees of justice and all the fees for the adoption to transpire, and I can be eternally yours, God. So I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to forgiveness. I'm saying yes to repentance. I'm giving you the steering wheel of my life, and I want to spend the rest of my life loving you back and sharing your love with other people. If you prayed something like that, I need you just to tell someone. Tell someone who brought you. Use a connection card in front of you, a blue card, and just say, hey, I want to follow Jesus, and we want to help you do that. God, I know all of us, we, and, and there's some circle, there's some context where we know we, got it, we need to get love right. Help us to not make assumptions that we know what love is unless we're looking at Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised because he defines it. He demonstrates it. He puts that love in us so we can give that love to others. So, Lord, we say this in Jesus' name. Would you send us? Would you send us as ambassadors of yours? God, thank you for every person here today. Thank you for every single person here today. I pray in Jesus' name they've received what you have for them to receive. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.